welcome back to the Sewers Podcast. Today, we are going to be starting off with the battle between Guru Hargobind and the Mughal forces run by Lala Beg, who's the commander of the Afghan forces, specifically around Kabul. So, in the previous episode, we talked about how they had reached near the village of uh, Bairupa, and they had sent a messenger, Hassan Khan. So that messenger had come to the Guru's camp, he had gone back, and then he had returned to the Guru's camp. At this point now, this is the second day that the Mughals have been traveling. So they have not slept well, they didn't bring enough supplies because they think that this is going to be a quick job. So as they get to Pairupa village, from that village they get intel about where exactly around where the Guru's camp is. And they proceed to ride up there. So the generals, it mentions in the text, are not feeling the pains that the soldiers are. You know, they have heavy clothing, so they're not feeling cold. They've been eating well. They've been resting. Meanwhile, the soldiers are not prepared. They're not in the right spirit for battle. They're not eating well. Uh, Even the horses have not been given uh, their food for about one and a half days now. And now it's basically the second day of the night. It's in the nighttime as they approach for battle. So Lullabeg's plan is to quickly ride up on the Guru and they're not expecting very much of a resistance, essentially. So as they ride up, they light their torches and they prepare for battle. So on the other end, Guru Hargobind realizes that this is the time that they're gonna attack. And he tells Jodrai, one of the generals, and Malak Jati, another general, to lead the forces. And the torches are then lit on the Guru side. And the battle drums are being played on both sides, and the battle then starts to commence. With the gunshots going off, people are attacked with swords, spears, arrows are being shot off. And it's a very vivid description in the text. At this point, once the battle starts to commence, the general Lalabeg then asks his brother, who's with him, Gambarbeg, he asked him to join the battle, lead the forces, because um, firstly, they're probably not expecting such a resistance. So he tells his brother, he says, firstly, and they're drinking here, <laughs> and he says, take it easy with the drinking. I need you to lead the forces now. And Kamburbeg is really happy about this. He remarks that, oh, this is going to be very easy, and uh, I'm going to get a great reward out of this. Shah Jahan is going to present me with titles. I'll get the horses back for him. My name will be known through the kingdom. You know, this is the type of mentality that he's going into this battle with. He's thinking that we have so many troops compared to Guru's side. You know, we are as if flour and the Guru's forces are as if salt uh, in terms of proportion. So he's really hyped up about this and, you know, he indulges in a little bit more drinking before he goes out as well, not listening to his brother. On the other side of the battle, Guru Hargobind asked Pawan Devta, the, the god of wind, to send in cold winds from the Himalayas to freeze up the bodies of the en- enemies here, to make it uh, harder for them to utilize their, their weapons, such that you know the hands get numb, um, their body gets cold, and uh, you know this then happens, and Pawan Devta rides in, sending in the cold um, winds from the Himalayas. 
and the Kavi Santok Singh says that uh, you know they covered their hands once this is the uh, the Mughal side they ended up covering their hands and he said you know who the hell was gonna fight at this point you know they were not even able to shoot let alone uh, grab the reins of their horses so this was happening as uh, Kambur Beg was riding up to battle and he was hearing these gunshots run off from the Sikh side so he was leading a force of about 7,000 um, and uh, Jodhrai saw this additional force coming and then he's yelling to his brother Salem Shah to say that I right, take a cavalry of about 500 soldiers and then when they come just shoot them down so Salem Shah then is extremely you know pumped up about this he takes his force and they just rush in and they all launch like a single volley at one time and just in a few moments the text talks about how those 500 horsemen had killed about 400 of Kamburbeg's forces and the people that were not killed you know their horses were killed in that in that uh, volley as well so some of these horses were falling down and some of those horses then would trap some of the soldiers as they fell and but they were specifically aiming for Salem Shah's forces were specifically aiming for the Mughal soldiers who had torches so once those people with the torches were shot it created this darkness and the dust from the you know the galloping of the horses created this dust rising up and it created even more darkness such that it created confusion in the enemy forces and Salem Shah as he as they launched their first volley they realized that why didn't the enemy fire uh, fire back at us and he was thinking okay it must be because of this cold they were not prepared for this so they rode closer and they and they began to cut them down with swords and as they began to cut them down they quickly retreated then and because of that retreat the Mughals couldn't see anything they had been struck with these bullets in that large volley so they began to panic and they began to friendly fire basically they started cutting each other down amongst themselves because of the darkness and you know the text goes into a long description about how fathers were killing you know their own sons by accident sons were shooting their fathers by accident you know a brother accidentally stabbed another brother and a nephew you know actually took his horse and <laughs> just basically walked over another uncle and this confusion has happened in such a way that is because um, a lot of friendly fire within the Mughal ranks there so the Mughals had no idea what was going on and they had no idea where the Sikh forces went because you know there it was very dark there was a lot of dust in the air they couldn't see what was going on it was very cold and uh, the text talks about people were laying on the ground bleeding out some people are yelling the ones who were survived uh survived looked around and, and they were trying to figure out what happened here so when Kamburbeg realized what was happening to his forces he saw the like the perfect site, the great disaster that came upon his army, he retreated and uh, upon retreating he got new torchmen, people came with torches and lit up the battlefield and then he saw this horrific sight. So many warriors of his were, were on the ground, uh, most of them dead, a lot of them were just uh, injured but you know were yelling out in pain. Kamburbeg then is thinking how the hell did so many people just quickly die and he's looking around he doesn't see many sick bodies either so he's extremely pissed and uh, the text talks about you know the sound of people 
bleeding out, like there's become like this river of blood flowing, and some warriors have their legs cut off, some their necks are cut, you know, there's an arm over here, and some bodies are just in two pieces, some people are screaming. You know, some people are laid out straight and some people are bent over and some people are, are laying on top of other people and it's just a huge mess. So Kamburbeg then sends a messenger to his older brother Lalabeg, the, the, the commander of the entire forces of the Mughals there, and told them what happened. And this messenger said that, listen, the warriors were, like I said, they were very cold, it was very dark. They ended up in this confusion and this panic and they began cutting themselves up and trampling each other. There's nothing we could do here. So Lalabe could not believe this. And he's thinking, good God, you know, we didn't even uh, make a scratch on them. And they've incurred such a uh, massive uh, toll on us. How do, we such a, how do we suffer such a great loss? And... Uh, Lalabeg then asked other warriors to get ready to make sure that they ride upon the Sikh forces during this nighttime so that the Guru doesn't run away during the day. And he's thinking, okay, I'll send two of my best leaders here. They're two Pratan leaders and they were commanding a force of 8,000. And he gave them orders to send to just ride in. One of them, one of them was named uh, Bikunakan. And uh, the text talks about how he was geared up with chainmail all around his body and the second Pratan general name was Gul Khan who the text mentions that he was extremely experienced he was very battle-hardened he had fought many battles before so the previous force of about 7,000 were basically lost just in that small volley and attack so another force about 8,000 were sent in and again the battle drums were sounding off uh, but again, the text uh, author, Maha, uh, Santok Singh, says that, uh, you know, how were these guys meant to fight? You know, they were so cold and tired, and it was dark. They were basically just running in to, to certain death here. At this point, Jodhari realizes that there's another big force coming here. And he took his horse, um, and he again went to his brother. He rode forward into the battle lines to speak to his brother, Slam Shah. And Salam Shah was telling him that, listen, we barely even did anything. We launched a couple of volleys. With Guru's grace, we realized they were not firing back quick enough. We ran in, we created a panic, and they started killing themselves, and we retreated. So then, as Salam Shah is telling Jodhari this, the 8,000 then of uh, Bi, uh, Bi Khan, Khan and Gul Khan then started to ride in. But again, just like last time, the soldiers, you know, their hands were cold, they were not prepped, they're not ready. And Jodhari's people during that time had gone back and warmed themselves at their fires in the camp. So they were, when they rode back, they were 100% ready. They were not cold at all. They had prepped their, their rifles, they had loaded it with gunpowder, they had set the matches, they were ready to fire. So once they became in range, once uh, the Mughals came in range, they shot all at once in one big volley again and they quickly reloaded and shot again they ended up shooting four times it mentions without the enemy even shooting once so here again the text goes into a vivid description about how, how many soldiers were falling to the ground their horses were falling 
Some horses are running away without anybody on top because they had fallen off. Some, um, some people are yelling uh, because of their injuries. So the sick forces keep firing and um, the commotion from the battle can be heard from very far away. And because of this, the Guru heard this and then he sends one of, um, he sends a thousand of his forces actually on horseback to help uh, the attack. So the Mughal forces during this commotion, they could not even retreat because they didn't know where to retreat. Again, they had shot um, the soldiers who were carrying the torches. So again, there was a darkness upon them. And uh, even if they wanted to, the text talks about how they couldn't retreat. So then the Sikhs started running in again on their horses and they started shooting arrows. Um, some took spears, some took swords. And again, the same result with blood soaking on the ground. It says in the text that one soldier of the Guru and Jodhra would cut at least five to seven Mughals down. And it describes it like, you know, how a carpenter would cut wood down. And, you know, these corpses that spread everywhere now there's a lot of dead horses on the ground as well. It was so dark that you couldn't even see anything. So the Mughal forces didn't even realize where this attack was coming from. They realized after being cut down by the sword or a spear. And in this way, you know, those forces as well received the same fate. So when Lullabeg found out about this, that their forces were basically helpless, they were sitting ducks in that uh, spot there. It was so dark, they're all just cut down. Um, he is standing there with his nephew, Gobblebig. So Gobblebig is that nephew that I mentioned in the previous episode that's, that was just, uh, he's so, so notable because he was so big. And uh, Shah Jahan actually sent him in just specifically because of that. And Gobblebig and is sitting there standing while Lilabig is in this awe. He has no idea what happened here. And Lullabig then says to his nephew, he says, you know, it's really cold. Uh, it's hard to use one's hands. And my soldiers are just dying. Perhaps we should just wait until the sun rises and then we'll catch the Guru. We won't let him go then. Gobblebig then says, listen, what are you, what are you talking about? Judging up about what just happened. We should be lucky that the Guru's forces don't just quickly ride up on us now. You know, they will be you know, have us running back to Lahore and cut us down all along the way. Like, you think you're gonna <laughs> get the Guru's horses now? We'll be lucky if we escape with our horses, you know, let alone taking their horses. So, Lullabig listens to, you know, the sobering advice that uh, his nephew gives him and shuts up at that point. And uh, Santok Singh, the author, says that, you know, in his mind now, he's just wrapped up in this anxiety and worry about what to do. He doesn't know if he should just retreat back to Lahore if he should attack now or just wait till the morning. And at that point, Lullabig's son is standing there as well. And he's a little bit more ambitious than uh, his cousin there. And he says, I forget my cousin. What we should do is we should send another 10,000 forces in. We just cannot leave the battlefield empty right now. That'll give them a huge advantage. So he continues to try to convince his, his father there. And then eventually his father is convinced, Lullabig is convinced and uh, they agree to send in another 10,000. And he tells the warriors specifically, Lullabig tells them, gives them orders that just make sure no friendly fire occurs here. Make sure you don't fight with each other because of the darkness. 
And some of the warriors, some of the soldiers of Lalabeg, you know, they protest actually. They don't even have fully full faith in their superiors. They say that, listen, this plan didn't work before. Um, it's cold, it's dark, we can't use our rep weapons properly, we don't know what angle they're going to attack us at. You know, this is not a good idea. But the text mentions that the leaders, like Lalabeg, his son even is a leader as well, uh, commanding forces, same with, the, same with the nephew. You know, they're dressed up in very fancy, very thick, warm clothing, so they don't feel the pain that some of these other soldiers are feeling. Also, they've been well, well fed, you know, well rested, so they're um, totally unaware about the pains that the, the soldiers actually will have to endure. So anyways, Lalabeg doesn't agree with the soldiers and just uh, commands them to uh, jump into battle. So he sends these 10,000 forces in. And as they ride in, um, they kind of uh, prematurely start shooting off their guns, a little bit worried. And uh, the noise of these troops riding in and the gunshots Guru Hargobin from far away can hear this. Bidichan can hear this as well. And Bidichan says that uh, looks like, you know, there's more troops coming in. Looks like there's going to be a big battle. We should send reinforcements. Jodhra is there as well. And, and he says to the other general, uh, Malakajati, that, all right, listen, we need to send more troops in, but we'll send them from a different direction. We'll send a thousand horseback, um, a group of a thousand cavalry, and what we'll do is this, be far from us. So be a separate force from us, but when the Mughals get close enough, uh, charge at them and then shoot and strike them down. Make sure that your forces keep uh, ranks here. So tell them not to separate. Tell them to be, be prepared to shoot their rifle and then quickly retreat. These idiots then will then just fight amongst themselves, it says. So Malakjati takes these orders and, uh, you know, he's telling these orders to his troops then. At the same time, now this is, um, you know, a couple hours before sunrise. So Guru Hargobin then begins his morning uh, bathing and he begins to recite Gurbani. Uh, he gets dressed and it speaks about how he adorns himself with a very sharp sword, Karg. Um, he places his quiver on his kamarkasa. He fills the quiver with bows. He's holding this uh, very big uh, bow and he places a large shield on his back. So he's, he's getting ready to go out as well. And when Malik Jati's force then rides up upon the Mughals, they do the, again, their plan with the volley. So they all shoot at the same time. One of Malik Jati's uh, soldiers actually separates from the force and jumps into the Mughal uh, lions and he begins with his sword he begins cutting them down from behind them and he starts combing through them and then retreats and just because of that one guy the entire uh, all of the lions of the moguls start fighting amongst themselves again and cu start cutting themselves uh, down again because they think that you know the six have have started to comb through them so again this text gives a very vivid description of the the brutality of the battle, um, you know, the pain, the suffering, the blood, you know, that's uh, trickling down, soaking into the ground now. And at this point, wild animals now, uh, you know, it's been a couple of hours of battle. Wild an animals are 
are coming from uh, the woods, the jungles, like vultures. Um, wild dogs are coming to eat some of the meat that's just on the ground now and beginning to rot. So a very vivid description of the corpses and this horrific uh, battle scene. You know, and all the while, the sun is rising on the other side and the num number of moguls are dying. And the text says it's as if, like the sun rises, the stars disappear. So too, when the sun rises now, the moguls are just disappearing, disappearing from this world. And this is where the battle ends at this point in terms of the nighttime battle. And the next chapter that we're going to look at deals with um, when the day begins, when the sun rises, the battle that occurs then. So we'll pick up at that point. Gauga 